What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, hello, Wellpreneurs. This is Amanda, your host, and I am so excited to welcome you back another week for the Wellpreneur podcast. I still can't get over the fact that the podcast is three years old. And this week, we have a guest that is on the show for the second time. This week, I'm speaking with Lawrence Mitchell, all around creating a corporate wellness program. Now, Lawrence first came on way back in episode 31 in the first year where he was talking about just getting started with a well-being program within his organization where he worked. And now I've invited Lawrence back on because in the past three years, it's been totally incredible what this well-being program has turned into. And just from working with a lot of my own personal clients and and speaking with you all when I meet you and, and within the Facebook group, a lot of people are interested in creating corporate wellness because if you're working in a company right now, why not start to incorporate all of your interest there and start to bring well-being within your business? And so this is a topic that I know there's a lot of interest out there, and I wanted to bring Lawrence back to give us an update on what he's created and some tips and suggestions on how you can also start a well-being program within your company or within a company that you have a connection to. Maybe one of your friends or somebody that you know actually works within a company and you can start to work with them to bring wellness into their organization as well. Now, just so you know, the sound of this episode isn't as high quality as always, but we're doing our best. So hopefully it'll be all right, but there's still loads of really good information for you. Now, now for those of you that are part of our Facebook community, I just want to let you know that I changed the name of the group this week. So it used to be called the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind, quite a mouthful, and I've simplified it to just the Wellpreneur community. Duh, makes so much sense, right? Because that's what we are. We're the community of Wellpreneurs that are helping each other out to grow our businesses. So just to be aware that that change has been made, if you go into Facebook, look for the Wellpreneur community. And if you haven't joined us yet, which I know that there's a lot of you out there who haven't, because I can see the stats of how many people listen to podcasts and the 1,400 people that are in the group. And it's a lot more that listen to the podcast. So you should totally come over and join us. It's a promo-free zone, and we're all in there every day helping each other to grow our businesses and talk about marketing. It's really awesome. You can find that by just searching Wellpreneur Community on Facebook. And now my big announcement, which if you're in the Facebook community already, you've probably heard of, but I'm so excited and I want to announce it more publicly. In 2017 and even the early part of 2017, the Wellpreneur book is coming. So I have, as of last week, finished the first draft of the Wellpreneur book. This felt so epic. I've been working on it for months behind the scenes. And I didn't want to say anything about it because I just wasn't quite 100% convinced if it was real. But now that the first draft is all done, this book is happening. It is coming out into the world. Get ready. So I'm going to need all of your help as we go through this process. And as I get later in the process, so like maybe more like February, March, 
I'll be talking about this a lot more about the book and let you know how you can get involved, how you can get copies, and of course, how you can help spread the word about the Wellprinter book. So if you want to read the book and you're willing to share and support, awesome. Stay tuned for more information about that. Okay, now let's shift gears and learn about corporate well-being programs. So let's jump over into the interview with Lawrence Mitchell. Hi, Lawrence. Thanks for joining me on the show again. Hi, Amanda. It's great to be here. So, Lawrence, you were first on the show a couple of years ago, actually. Now we're at the three-year mark. So I think it was in the first year you were you were on the podcast. And we recently ran into each other in London again. And I really wanted to have you back on the show because everything I've heard about you and your career and what you've been doing is that you're really focused on corporate well-being. And you have been and you created this incredible program. And so I wanted to have you come back on to give us an update about that and share your advice and learning after focusing on corporate wellness for a couple of years. Great. Happy to share. It's uh, lots happened since I was last on. And so it'd be be great to share some of the learning and some of the lessons that have come out of uh, the last few years. Awesome. So I think we all know from our perspective, being well printers, why it's important to be well in the workplace. But what I'm curious from you to start off with is why are companies starting to think workplace wellness is important? I think there are two main reasons. One, because we we spend a huge amount of time at work. It's such a big part of our lives. And yet so many people are not happy at work. I was doing some research the other day and something like 80% of employees are not engaged in their job and that obviously doesn't have a great impact on, on their well-being. So that's very much from the employee's perspective. But from the company's perspective, when you think about what's happened over the last few years, there's been a, a huge amount of change, a huge amount of disruption because of, because of the internet, because of new technology. Businesses are keen to grow. Businesses are keen to, keen to expand. And that, of course, puts an enormous amount of pressure on the employees and, and the people. And I think Businesses now, more enlightened businesses, or the younger businesses, recognize the importance of culture, having a special culture, having people who enjoy their jobs, who really want to bring their whole selves to work. So bigger companies are realizing that they have to do things differently. The old approach of working around the clock, being seen to, 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 be, to be busy all the time, that doesn't work anymore. Businesses are seeing a huge amount of, of people off with stress, with burnout. And when you add it up, that's a significant cost. So all kinds of reasons why different businesses are keen to engage and keen to uh, develop some kind of well-being program for their employees. So both business commercial reasons, cost reasons, engagement reasons. And then, of course, there's that wider societal uh, CSR agenda. Businesses are like communities, if you like. That's only how I see it. Uh, a lot of a lot of people go to work. It's an opportunity to uh, to reach a lot of people, and therefore, uh, for a broader healthcare cost uh, perspective, there's an opportunity to um, to educate people and reach people where they are at work. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts about what exactly you created when, within the organization where you are working. But before we do that, can you tell us a bit about your background and and kind of get people up to speed on on how you got here? Sure. Well, I'm in the middle of a, a big change. Actually, I've just uh, I've just literally moved from the UK and I'm now living in Australia. If I just take a, a, a step back, up until the end of 2016, I, I was 
uh, working as chief marketing officer for Read Business Information. It's a big global information business based out of London. Um, it's a role I did for almost nine years, and, and, and during that, that phase, the whole business completely transformed. So I joined a magazine business. Uh, today, I left a global data and analytics and software business. So quite a change, and, and that put an enormous amount of pressure on the people. But whilst I was doing that, I was always a health enthusiast, if, if you like, and I focused uh, a lot of my own personal resources on understanding nutrition, exercise, just making sure that I was as resilient as, as, as possible. And then a few years ago, I trained as a health coach because I wanted to help other people because I'd learned so much and I wanted to share that knowledge and became very, very passionate about spreading the, the health and wellness message. It was then probably about three years ago when I was quite keen to spend more of my time focused on, on building my own platform, but I was working full-time as chief marketing officer. And I guess I recognized at that point that I was in a position of leadership in a big corporate environment with access to 3,000 people, and people were a key driver of future growth. And we were talking a lot about the war on talent. We were talking about how we need people with certain attitudes, certain skill sets, but we weren't talking about the need to make sure that our workforce were healthy. It just wasn't talked about at all. So on the back of that, I went on a period of discovery and created what's now the RBI Living Well Program. So it's a corporate wellbeing philosophy and program that has been uh, extremely well received both internally and externally. Amazing. Awesome. And I you know, one thing that I've heard quite a bit from the clients I've spoken with who are interested in doing corporate well-being in their own companies is they have a concern about, like, if I start a program from within my business, is my boss going to think that I'm not focused or that I'm, you know, trying to leave my job or whatever it is? And they're worried about how it might be perceived at work. And I guess it's a little bit different in your situation because you were at an executive level. But could you just tell us a bit about what are your latest thoughts on that and how people can handle it? It was a real concern for me for a long time for exactly the reasons that you say. And it's not only being perceived as not being committed to your job, but it's also making sure you've got the bandwidth to take on additional work because building a program internally, it doesn't just happen. It does require resources. I, I would say that what I've learned over the last few years is that you don't have to build it from scratch like in the way that I've done, but what you can do is contribute and do things at a local level that really contribute and build uh, and build momentum. So, for example, if you're a yoga teacher, actually offering to run yoga classes in, in the lunch break will support a community feel. It doesn't mean that you're not committed to, um, to your job. It means that you're also trying to uh, add value to your colleagues and help them. Uh, help them uh, get through the day and, and create that community. So I, I worry less about that. The only time to worry about it is if your job is not getting done. So I certainly had a couple of instances where people very much embraced the Living Well agenda and were very keen to get involved and, and volunteer, but they weren't, they weren't doing the job. And of course, that's when it becomes a problem. So I think as long as you're ahead and you're actually achieving and delivering what you need to do in your day job, and of course, you, you make time to do other things and contribute to, uh, to building a program or well-being agenda for the environment that you find yourself in. Great. Thank you. And I think we talked a lot more about that back in the first interview with you. So I'll link that up in the show notes as well if, if people are in that situation and want to hear more about your experience um, starting that program. 
So tell us more about the program that you created, the Living Well program. What was it? Okay, well, right now it's a holistic program that looks at the whole person, the whole employee. So we have a framework that has five pillars, and it's customized for, for the company that I've worked at, that I worked at. So it's a portfolio business, which means it has eight separate business units. But the pillars are, are what you'd expect. So there's one around health and eating, there's one around um, fitness and moving your body, there's one around mental resilience, which is so important. At, for the type of business that uh, that RBI is, a knowledge-based business. It's also one about giving back because RBI has a big charity agenda and and the framework brings together all the activities within that uh, that area. And then the last one is all about getting support. And what that that recognises is uh, to be successful uh, in any environment and true well-being requires having access to like-minded people, so a support network of people that you can have that can work with and also having access to the right technology and the right tools because increasingly what I realized uh, in in the corporate space and any workspace that if you haven't got the tools and they don't work that of course is very frustrating that stress and that uh, that, um, that isn't good for well-being so we brought all of that together and we had a very clear message that ultimately uh, responsibility for health and well-being lies with the employee so we are all responsible for our health and well-being but we as a company or corporates are in a position where they can make that easier for employees and they can create the right environment to help employees uh, be well. So the offerings that we've developed really fit into three main areas. So we have one big area around education, and that will include talks on different topics, includes training, so we've run a whole range of different training programs on topics like mindfulness, which was very successful last year. There's a whole piece around community. Um, Within that, we have um, online programs. So we we ran something called the 50 Days of Wellbeing, which is a a social media campaign, which went really well. And then on the back of that, we um, we run two 30-day challenges now, which were, were whereas the 50 Days of Wellbeing was an individual challenge, 30 days was uh, teams. So we encourage people to get into teams of five uh, and compete for um, financial prizes. And that went extraordinarily well. And then the last piece that has been very successful is around personal insights. And um, and in, in that, we've been leveraging external uh, technology to give people uh, insights into their um, into, <laughs> in terms of their own. Um, their um, diagnostics, blood uh, blood tests, cancer skin, skin cancer checks, so all types of um, all types of personal insights that help people understand where they are right now and then take uh, some kind of um, preventive action. So that that went down really well. And then we have a big piece around engagement, so a multi-channel engagement program to really connect with people and um, and and. and Help them participate. So that would include all the things that we that we we talk about that we talk about in terms of using uh, social, email, in-person events, video. So all of the things that you would uh, that you would use to um, to connect and engage with an external customer base is, is applicable internally as well. That's gotten so much bigger than what I remember because I think when we first talked a couple of years ago, it was really starting with a, an event that you did, right? With the Living Welfare, I think it was called, and pulling people together around an event. And I had no idea that it's expanded into like such a comprehensive program that it sounds like it's running continually. 
It, it, it is. It's running continually. So there are core initiatives, if you like, so flagship products, uh, which are the events. We have three days. We started in 2014 with a single-day event, and that was really a what I now what I now call a kind of test and learn. So run an event, see what happens, and then on the back of that, we built the framework, we built the philosophy, and we built the whole program out. And so it's become much broader than that. We still have three-day experiences in all the different offices around the around the world, um, and then we have different training programs and different day-to-day uh, -day initiatives that we encourage employees to organise themselves. So, for example, running uh, boot camps and fitness classes, which we have the um, we have personal trainers who are on the staff who are then empowered, if you like, to create events and then encourage others to. Uh, to participate and that's all within that framework so when you brings all together when you say you have personal trainers on the staff do you mean you just happen to have employees that were also personal trainers like they would also be yoga teachers or did you actually hire some both yeah so we have internal staff who are personal trainers and yoga and yoga teachers um, who will then participate but then they will also have external networks of, of work runners that they will then bring into the um, into the environment so um and I was very, as part of this community spirit, that's pretty much how we worked with our external delivery partners. So to run a mindfulness training program, for example, we didn't have the capacity to do that internally. But what we did have is people on staff who are connected to people who are mindfulness meditation practitioners who they introduced to me and then we validated and then brought them into the organization. Got it. So can you talk a little bit more about that, like how you found, well, I guess not, not the specifics, but like what kind of people did you need to get involved in running the program? How did you find your resources? Did you pull them? I know you said you pulled in some outside contractors, but I mean, I imagine you also leveraged a lot of people that were already working for the company and, and that just wanted to help in addition to their jobs. So can you talk a little bit about how you did that and then, and then how you really measure the success to show that it's going in the right direction? Sure. So, so from a resource point of view, it, it started very organically, I would say, in the sense that it was it was it was me at the beginning. So when I recognized back in 2014 that there was an opportunity to do more than we were currently doing, I went on this period of discovery. I spoke to a lot of people internally, I found out what we were already doing, and I discovered we were doing a lot of things, but I hadn't necessarily um, put the resources behind getting engagement. So we had discounts to gyms, there were fitness classes, but they were buried and, uh, on, on the internet and invariably didn't get very much engagement. So where we are now, the right resource structure is having a cross-functional team. So we have a cross-functional internal team, and these are people that have come from all different departments with different skill sets. So we have someone from HR, someone from marketing, someone from marketing operations, someone from facilities, someone from occupational health, so a range of different people with different skills. And that's the internal team, team living well, as we call them. And then supporting them, we have an external team of delivery partners that are focused around those pillars I described. They're, they're brought in when we want to do an initiative. And then we also have a network of champions that uh, are embedded in the different business units and the different geographies who are pulled in to do resources when the need is there. So they're, they're part of the engagement 
program. And then all of this is orchestrated and brought together by an external coordinator who helps get value and helps the whole, uh, the whole thing focus on delivering big goals. So then how are you, uh, I guess the other thing I'm curious about is how you actually like measured the results, because I guess you, within the corporate world, I know you always have to be accountable. If you're spending time on something, you need to show that it's actually working. So what, what metrics and things did you guys use to measure the success? It's an interesting question because the metrics were, were challenged because first of all, we had to access the data. So we measured what we could measure at the time, and then gradually over the last couple of years, it's become more sophisticated. So we measured engagement in terms of different initiatives. So for example, how many people were aware of the initiatives that were happening, how many people showed up to the events, how many people engaged with the communication. But then over time, we also measured the impact on overall engagement in the business, satisfaction in the business. And then we were interested in understanding the impact on health of different people. So, for example, how many people were feeling more productive or how many people felt more energetic? And also looking at metrics such as absenteeism through, through sickness. So we pulled together metrics from our own surveys. We did a lot of surveying, really asking people's opinions, but also leveraging HR analytics around absenteeism, turnover, time to hire, those, those types of things, and then pulling all together to create a picture. So I was less worried at the beginning about demonstrating massive impact on the whole business, but over time, you start to realise the impact it has on the whole business. And then ultimately last year, we, we were recognised externally by winning uh, an award within the HR space, which was great. That did a huge amount of good to the employee brand. There was a lot of coverage around that. And that, of course, led to more Cool. Okay. So I'd like to really take it back to, to a really practical then right now, because I think what you've described is it's actually really incredible. And it's a full, it seems to me is to be a full business initiative. So it's this, you know, it's a big organized thing now, which is awesome. And that I think that's the dream. Like that's the direction that a lot of people would want to go in if they're thinking about creating a well-being program. But in my, and, and you correct me where I'm wrong, but I feel like you can't just, you probably aren't going to start with that, right? So there needs to be probably like a small, like you said, your first thing was starting the event and doing that as kind of like a test or a proof of concept. And so could you kind of give a few thoughts around how, you know, somebody working within a company at whatever level, if they if they're really motivated to do this and they just want to start something, what are some examples of like how they could get going with this, or what are the first types of things they could start? I think the very first thing to do is understand exactly what the biggest problems are that that business has, and and by that I mean what's the strategic initiative. So, for example, RBI was very focused and still is on accelerating growth. So I knew that. So anything we were doing around well-being needed to align with that goal. But then on the ground, what are the issues that the employees are facing? So if you're in a small business or a department, uh, understand what the problems are. Are they stressed? Uh, is, are people feeling stressed? Are, are people feeling overwhelmed? Are people off because um, they're, um, they're, they're not engaged in their jobs? Uh, are, are back issues a problem? What are the core problems to solve? And then based on that, you can create something relatively small. So an event is, is a good example of something that you 
can do just to bring people together. People are, are interested in uh, learning about healthy recipes, and you can just create a lunch and learn, and literally give people free lunch, something that went extremely well for us, just bringing in um, salads and healthy food and kombucha. A lot of people weren't aware of, of kombucha at all, so you have to recognize that everyone's knowledge will be at different points. But just use it to engage, and then from there, based on the uh, engagement, it's then easier to build because once you've done something small and it goes well, it gives you confidence and then you can build from, from there and take it to the next level. So the program that I described now, it's only taken two years to get to this point. The starting point is good without, without question, but it doesn't have to change the entire company uh, overnight. But what it can do is change the area that you're focused on, where you've got access to. And then if it goes well, it's amazing how quickly other departments start to hear about it. So running the mindfulness training, I think, is a really good example. Last year, within our technology team, they had a, they had a major problem with um, stress. Uh, technology people tend to uh, internalize their, their feelings and give them a lot of work, and they weren't able to articulate that they were feeling uh, overwhelmed and they were going off um, stress and they off uh, long periods quite small teams that then had a ripple effect on, uh, on the rest of the team. So it wasn't working what they were doing. So we introduced a nine-week mindfulness training program. And they were incredibly cynical at first when they, um, when they engaged. But by the end of the nine weeks, almost everybody in that course were advocates. And then it became much easier to scale that program to other departments and other teams because the, uh, the 22 people who participated in that mindfulness training for nine weeks they saw the impact it had on their working lives and on their personal lives, and they were championing it. Even though they were, they were incredibly cynical at the beginning, it worked. So I think if you deliver success within a corporate environment, people are quite connected. Some businesses are very relationship-driven, and the message spreads, and that will help to, um, to grow the service. Mm-hmm. Great. So like so many things in our business, it's just important to start small. Just put it out there and get started with something see how it goes and then and then you can continue to iterate and grow it. Do you have any other like thoughts or advice about wellpreneurs that want to engage with corporate clients? I think from a wellpreneur point of view, when you think about a corporate client, you often think about it as a, a single entity, but it's not. I'd encourage everyone to think about corporates and any businesses as communities of people. And I think if you have that mindset, you realize that it's just a way of reaching consumers. So actually working with a, with a corporate, once you're in, there, there, are, there are ways of actually getting you. Uh, delivering the service and delivering the value is no different to, uh, to what a wellpreneur would do on a day-to-day basis. It just becomes easy to access the people and to test and to, uh, and to try different, uh, different things. So I think having that mindset and then to actually get in, there are ways of actually communicating to corporates, all kinds of different techniques. But what, what I would say is think about the relationships that you already have so, for example, if you're a yoga teacher or a health coach, you will you have clients, and those clients will work for businesses. I think understanding their context, and if they get value from your services, then, of course, ask them, the same way you would ask them to write a testimonial, ask them to do an introduction to somebody at work. If there is a wellness program, maybe someone organizing that, ask them to connect you. Most of the delivery, external delivery specialists that I hired came through internal recommendations, so our finance director 
recommended a reflexologist, for example, who brought her into the business, and the guy who works in production, he had a friend who, uh, who was on the side of the office with the person the company. So it becomes much easier if you're leveraging that network. Think about social media as well. LinkedIn is very much a friend because it's a great resource to really understand the context of different people working. Every business is different. Every, every business will have different objectives for creating a well, well-being program. Some of it will be about improving engagement. Others it will be about reducing costs. Others, it would just be because they want to be seen to be doing the right thing. So don't assume that every business will be exactly the same because they're, because they're not. And then I would say play the long game. Working with, with businesses can be frustrating because you're dealing with lots of people and businesses may be slow at making decisions. But it's worth it because once you, you get to work with a business, you develop that knowledge and you can customize your, your services for different job roles and different businesses, business units, then of course your value goes up and then you're in a better position to actually scale. And then think about think about costs and values. I think often I hear people think that oh, corporates is great because you can have a lot more money and it's less hand to mouth. And I think all those things are true, but don't forget the core principles. You've got to understand the customer. You've got to be able to put your, your, yourself in, in their shoes. And even though businesses may have a lot of resources, well-being programs are traditionally under-resourced. You know, I run marketing and I run well-being, and there is a different price point, right or wrong, but I think gradually that is shifting as technology is enabling uh, better metrics, better data to be accessible to prove, that, to prove the value. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. So can you tell us, like, what's next for you? You've just had this big move halfway around the world to Australia. So what are you what are you working on next? So, yeah, so I, I, it has been a big move. I left uh, I left RBI just, for, just at the end of December, as I say. Uh, and now we're in Australia and Sydney, which is amazing, uh, being here in, in the sunshine. And so I'm 100% focused now on creating healthier workplaces, healthier communities, really building out my, my proposition and uh, I've got a whole range of offerings uh, underpinning that a lot in, develop, uh, in development, which I'll, I'll share later this year. Um, but one thing I have done on the back of, uh, of, of this, uh, this call, I pulled together a, a package to, to really help work wellpreneurs engage with businesses uh, and, and develop their services. I'm calling it my uh, my inside secrets package, if you like, because I've learned a lot. I feel I feel I've been in a very privileged position doing wearing two hats, doing a leadership role in a big company that's going through a huge amount of change, whilst creating and developing a well-being program. I see it very differently now to how I saw it right at the beginning. I really want to share those secrets and, and help uh, wellpreneurs become part of those ecosystems because. We are at a different place now. Businesses are very much waking up to the opportunity that wellbeing programs offer. I judged a, um, a wellbeing awards last year from HR magazine, and I was impressed with the quality of entries. So a lot of the things that we've done with RBI doing well are now starting to be replicated at other, other companies. So that's my passion. That's my that's my um, my goal. And you can download those insight secrets at https uh, slash podcast
Awesome. Okay. And we'll link that up in the show notes as well. So people can just click a little link, which you should be able to access directly on your phone. You should be able to see the show notes there too. So you can just click through to that. So thank you so much, Lawrence, for being here. I hope this is giving people some guidance and inspiration to really start making some change within their companies because it's such so important. So yeah, thanks so much for your time and, and good luck this year. I can't wait to see what happens. Thanks so much, Amanda. It was great to talk to you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links to everything we discussed in the show notes, which you can find at wellpreneuronline.com. Now, don't forget to come over and join us in the Wellpreneur community on Facebook if you haven't already. Okay, I hope you guys are off to a strong start in 2017 and um, I'll connect with you soon in the Facebook group. So I will see you there. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Bye.